You're listening to a message from Redeemer Bible Church. We hope you'll visit us in person, or you can find more messages like this one at RedeemerBibleChurch.com. As we have now concluded our study through the book of Acts, I I want to share with you uh, the one characteristic of the early church that has impacted me more significantly than any other. And it's something that jumps off the page from the very beginning of the book, and, and then we see it all the way through to the end. The early church was profoundly generous. The early church was profoundly generous. I want to remind you of this by directing your attention to three different texts within the book of Acts, all offering us a, a little snapshot of the early church a church marked by generosity. Snapshot number one is found in Acts chapter 2. Just after Luke records the coming of the Spirit and Peter's gospel declaration at Pentecost, we're, we're told that 3,000 people turned to Christ in faith. And friends, what's the first picture of these brand new believers that we encounter in the text? We find it in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is what the text says. <clears throat> and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is one of those texts that many of you have read and studied so many times that if you're not careful, you could read it yet again without being convicted or motivated. Now, there's so much here that I could say, but I already preached it. So let me just mention one observation. Here it is. The generosity of God's people was an element of their worship. It was an act of worship. In verse 42, the text tells us that they met together to pour over the apostles' teaching, to share a meal and observe the Lord's table, and to join with each other in prayer. And then look again at verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. You see, friends, I don't think the radical acts of generosity mentioned in verse 45 should be understood as something separate from their worship. No, they were giving to each other as unto the Lord. They understood that everything they had was from God and it belonged to God, so much so that they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. Generous people are those who understand God's ownership of everything. 
Generous people are those who understand God's ownership of everything. So instead of of clinging tight-fisted to what God has graciously given to them, they are looking for ways to serve and bless others. They ask the question, how does God want to glorify himself through what he has given to me? How can I use what God has entrusted to me to push the attention of others to behold the generosity of God? That's snapshot number one. Now let me give you snapshot number two. This is found in Acts chapter four. Peter and John have been arrested. They have appeared before an angry Jewish council But then this group of cowardly religious leaders released Peter and John because they didn't sense they had the support of the people who at that time were quite happy with the ministry of the apostles. When Peter and John are released, they join a prayer meeting. And after reading Luke's wonderful account of brothers and sisters gathering for prayer, here's what we find in verse 32. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet." Again, brothers and sisters, what is even more explicit here is the observation I made in snapshot number one. Generous people are those who understand God's ownership of everything. Now, I want to caution you. Be careful. When reading a text like this, and and the one I just referenced in Acts chapter 2, Be careful not to jump to any unwarranted conclusions. When you read back in chapter 2, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. And now here you see that no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. When you see these things, don't, don't read them as political statements. That's not what they are at all. These are merely descriptions of a a kind and level of generosity that is frankly difficult for many of us to wrap our heads around, especially during a time of tremendous uncertainty like we're facing now. In Acts 2 and Acts 4, Luke is simply describing the kind of sacrificial love and service that marked and should still mark a true faith family. A family bound together in Christ. 
and overwhelmed by the love and generosity of God. It's, it's just the overflow of the love we have been given by God in Christ. Before moving on to the third snapshot, I want to quickly point out that in God's word, generosity is connected to at least two other very important ideas, humility and encouragement. Listen as I read from Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Generosity is the result of seeing someone else in need and elevating their need above your own interests and desires. In other words, generous people are humble people. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. You're more concerned about others. And you're more concerned about doing what will bring them good. So think about generosity in connection to humility. But also think about generosity in terms of encouragement. Back in Acts 4, who does Luke single out in verse 36 as a model of one who is generous? A man named Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And of course, we read what he did and our response is, no kidding, he was encouraging. He sold his own field and gave the money to the apostles undoubtedly to be used to be given to those in great need. Brothers and sisters, is there anything more encouraging than to be the recipient of someone's selfless generosity? I'm not simply thinking about money. But when someone gives us their time or gives, gives of their energy or, or simply goes out of their way to check in on us and, and offer a listening ear. See, generosity can take on many forms, but it's always encouraging. It always builds someone up. It always stirs them to then do something generous for someone else. This brings us to our conclusion, snapshot number three. <clears throat> snapshot number three. Only a few years after the events we examined in snapshots one and two, a season of intense persecution broke out and believers were scattered across the Roman Empire. In fact, only a small group was left in Jerusalem and they had very, very little now, added to this already existing struggle, as our text explains, a great famine is coming. So look with me at Acts chapter 11. Acts 11 and verse 27. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. 
And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now, what's described here is likely the same mission Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 2. Listen as I read Galatians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised, only they ask us to remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do. Do you understand what's happening here? The newly formed church in Jerusalem, the one marked by profound generosity. Well, well many of them had been scattered and, and those who were left in Jerusalem were, were just straight up poor. So Paul helps devise a plan. While the Jerusalem apostles focused on reaching Jews, Paul and Barnabas would embark on a mission to plant churches among the Gentiles. But as they went, they would not forget the needy believers back in Jerusalem. In fact, listen to how one theologian describes this. I think it's just glorious to think about what's happening. He writes, over the next decade, Paul planted churches in four major regions, Galatia, Macedonia, Achaia, and Asia. And now listen to what he says. Once Paul had evangelized a city, established a Christian community, strengthened the saints in the church, and raised up leaders to guide the church, he called the church toward partnership in God's greater kingdom. And there was one major task he recruited each of the churches he planted to carry out. Collecting money for the poor in Jerusalem. Again, brothers and sisters, the mark of the early church that I find most convicting and most challenging is their generosity. You see, Redeemer, the gospel had so captured the hearts and minds of the members of the early church that they didn't need a best-selling book or a special class or anything else to tell them to be generous. They simply needed to remember all they had been given in Christ. It's undeniable that generosity breeds generosity. And and that's the explanation for the profound generosity that marked the early church. As those who had received the gift of new life in Christ, as recipients of the eternal generosity of God, they began to mimic what they saw modeled. Those who received the kindness of God then extended his kindness to others. Since God had met them in their time of greatest need, it was only natural for them to meet someone else in their time of temporal need. Brothers and sisters, there there is no greater proof. There is no greater proof that a church has been 
captivated by the beauty of Christ and shaped by the love of God than this. They are a profoundly generous people. They understand the truth of 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Now, Redeemer, I want want you to hear me when I say that this church, Redeemer Bible Church, is one of the most generous churches I have ever seen. So my aim today has not been to confront you about something you're not doing, but to commend you, to thank you, to praise God for his work in and through you. In fact, most of you saw this past week that I sent out an email asking you to share with me stories of generosity that have taken place within this faith family. We're not doing this. This is not an exercise that I've concocted so that we can pat ourselves on the back. But we're we're doing this, and I ask you to send me those stories so that we can give glory to God for His kindness. And at the same time, we can honor those who have set a good example for us all. So here's what I want to do. First, we will sing, and then I will share some stories that I received. I'll share those stories with you, and then we'll sing again, and we'll have some stories that are shared through video Uh, Videos that were sent to me throughout the week. And then I want to tell you about something special that I want us to do together as a faith family to encourage us in our generosity and uh, to spur us on to even more generosity. So let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. Thank you for the example of the early church, our brothers and sisters who so understood and were captured by the gospel that it produced overflowing generosity in their lives. Father, I thank you that this is happening in Redeemer as well. So I ask that you would encourage us in the good work that is already happening, and yet I pray that you would challenge us to even greater acts of generosity, not for our own acclaim, but for the glory of Jesus Christ who gave himself up as a sacrifice for us. We pray this all in his name. Amen.